Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Maradon Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat the Designer back at it again, joined in studio by Courtney Cronin, the uh, most plugged in person in Chicago Bears land. Courtney, what's going on? You know, the three cups of coffee I had this morning don't match that energy. So I feel like I need to kind of start over with my day to get on your level. We are just like struggling to get to the finish line that is Memorial Day weekend because then we can finally feel like summer's here. Yeah. I walked here this morning yeah. and that 50 degrees does not do me well. My it, face is all red from like the wind. <laughs> I wore like my fleece jacket. This is we got a tease when we were at OTAs the other day and yeah. it was warm. It's like 80 degrees. I was like, all right, this is like training camp weather. And then this. So Chicago hit different. Expect it. Yeah. Chicago hits different. There, there's no <laughs> question about it. Like you. you you want to have every season in like a week come to Chicago. That's realistically True. all it is. Uh, hey, man, we got a lot to get into. David Montgomery apparently hates losing. Big shock there. <laughs> uh, said that it sucked the fun out of him being here in Chicago. Um, th- does that mean that he's now the, the the enemy of the Bears? Does this give us more reason to hate the Lions? I thought we had enough anyway. Uh, we'll talk about the PFF rankings. Who can Fields reasonably surpass Justin Fields? A little higher than I expected. Not, not going to lie. Did not think he would be top 20. L- little a little higher than I expected. A little below 20, but at 18, yeah. that was a little, I'll take little it. surprising. I, tells, me, tells me people are excited about what they're seeing from Justin. Jermaine Edmonds talking about a surprise player on the defense and what he could bring in. And then an interesting comparison. Here. Who is the Otani and Trout of the NFL. All that and more today of the Chicago Bears podcast. Make sure you guys hit that like button, subscribe to the page. As always, let's get into the show. First quarter. First quarter. All right, Courtney. Well, apparently David Montgomery hates us now. I don't know what's going on. I don't. I didn't I don't, take it that. I don't way. take it that way either. Uh, his quote basically was that he was used to winning. He w- he always uh, says that's all I was used to. At a point, it sucked the fun out of the game. I'm sorry, used to losing. Said that's all I was used to. At a point, it sucked the fun out of the game for me because I'm a competitor. I like to compete. That's what football is all about. It's so refreshing to be in a pay- a place where that is appreciated. <laughs> And all I have to ask is, do Bears fans think that David Montgomery is different from us? Did we all live the Matt Nagy era where it absolutely sucked the fun out of being a Bears fan? I I don't understand why Bears fans, at least the ones that I've seen, interact with this quote that came from a live stream with his teammate, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, yeah. his new teammate with the Lions. Like, how what would you expect anything different? Somebody who says, I hated losing. He was here for four seasons, yeah. eight and eight. Eight and eight, six and ten, three and fourteen. Like at some point, like you have to look at that and say, Yeah, I empathize with what David Montgomery went through. First off, losing is not fun for anybody who's a competitor. On top of it, you're playing a position that shortens you have a short span to be a successful football player, to get that second contract. And he did. I mean, he cashed in on an offer from the Detroit Lions, three years, 18 million. He did what he needed to do to get that second deal. But the fact is, it's not easy when you're on losing teams and you're a running back and it's the wear and tear of that position. So like, fortunately it worked out for David Montgomery, but 
think about what you go through on a day-to-day basis where it's just like the same result year after year for four straight years you're going to tell me you're not jaded after that like then you're just not thinking about it realistically and you're thinking that everybody has to go in there and, and you know be playing for the love of the game that's all bs yeah like this is a job for this person so i I think the thing that Bears fans got upset about was that comment about like winning is valued in Detroit because they're like, well, look at all those losing seasons that they had. Look at all the playoffs that they didn't go to. And then they didn't even have a winning season last year, but it felt like they got closer. So I think that that probably rubs Bears fans the wrong way because the writing's on the wall. The Detroit Lions are going to be a lot better this year, and they may even be like the best team in the division. Who knows? And it feels like their rebuild's working. Whereas if you look in Chicago, you're not entirely sure yet. Like the pieces are in place. Yeah. I mean, we can we, when we get to the the talk of the PFF rankings and where the quarterbacks are. I mean, there's a reason that Fields is ranked as high as he is. Everything looks like it's going to work out, but until you see that through, you just don't know. Whereas in Detroit, they've been building this thing with Brad Holmes orchestrating the roster with Dan Campbell the last couple of years. They're finally on the cusp of putting all those pieces together, and they're much further along in their rebuild than the Bears. So I think that that probably irritates Bears fans to hear, well, you know, it's not like they won a lot. Like, look, we went to the playoffs in 2020, and we were in the wild card game. Yeah, you lost. Like, it's <laughs> it's it's two teams that have been rooted in mediocrity for a long time. Yeah. So for for you know, a player to say, well, this mediocrity, even though I haven't even been here and I haven't even like played a game yet with this team, this mediocrity feels better than the one that I just came from. And and I think that, right. I don't look at David Montgomery's comments as I hate the Chicago bears. I look at it as this guy was here as a professional for four years and never caused an issue. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was not happy the entire time. Hey, I think it was uh, was the last season where he came in and he basically was talking about how he had to mentally get himself together just to bounce back, different things like that, things that he was going through in the offseason, right? And, right, like he felt like he had gone to a dark place. Like he went through some stuff here and he never was an issue in the locker room. He, To me, like I look at David Montgomery as the ultimate professional. If we need another reason to hate Detroit, fine. Like let's get, sure, David Montgomery plays for him. That's another reason to hate Detroit. But I don't think it's a reason to hate David Montgomery. If anything, I I view David Montgomery's comments as this guy is gone now. He's giving you his honest opinion on what went on here. And as a Bears fan that lived through the Matt Nagy era, I get him. Mm-hmm. I understand. <laughs> like, like, I don't care what the Lions did in their history. And sure, right? Like, they're they're not a winning franchise yet. But clearly, the NFL believes they're going to be one. Hopefully, well, I don't know about hopefully. But they're, they're probably going to at least be a nine-win team mm-hmm. this season. That steps in the right direction for David Montgomery, at least by one game, I guess, if you yeah. think about it. Well, I think it shows because there's not like this. It's not a total consensus. 100% of the locker room feels that everything's working here because he was given an offer from the Chicago Bears that was very much on par, if not exactly what he was offered from Detroit. And I think that that rubs some people the wrong way where there were comments, of course, where he talked about how much he you know, loves the people in the locker room, you know, is part, proud to be part of this franchise. Like when we were talking to him at locker cleanout day or it was the day before it, because during the final game of the season, there was a moment when he's at um, the 50 yard line with like family and friends. They're all taking pictures. And you could tell this is after the Minnesota game that 
this was probably his last like time in yeah. Chicago. And it wasn't a question of, hey, do the Bears want me back? It's I always felt like is it a question of whether Dave Montgomery wants to be back? Right. You know, it's you can't think that everybody's going to be on the same page and that like I think sometimes maybe that bothers Bears fans because it's like, wait. Isn't the hits principles? Isn't that all that stuff working? Isn't everybody building towards a collective goal? And then you have this one player come and say, alluding to, well, losing's okay in Chicago. Yeah. No one ever said that. But I think that a fresh start for a player who, you know, at, at this point of his career, going into the second contract, knowing that you probably don't have much more beyond that second contract. That's just the case for running backs in the NFL nowadays. You go to a place where you can see success through more quickly. I'm of the belief that this is not a playoff team in Chicago this year. Detroit very well might be because they might win the division. So you've got to think of it in those terms where it's not just like people think, oh, well, he should have been loyal to the Chicago Bears. Not necessarily. I mean, this is a business. You've got to let the player go where he wants to go that's going to put him in the best situation. He goes to a place now that has DeAndre Swift out of there, and it's him and Jameer Gibbs. He's the number one back in Detroit. There's no question about that. Whereas in Chicago, he probably felt the pressure of Khalil Herbert having a pretty good season and being in line to be the number one running back. Now we'll see if that happens because of all of the other running backs they have in that room. But I think David Montgomery did what was best for him. Never once can you question whether he gave it his all in Chicago. I mean, if anybody's going to come out here and say, well, you know, these comments allude to like, oh, he's just, I hate all this. Can I swear in this podcast? I hate that shit. I hate when people come in here, like when you, when you love a player and you ride for that player and the player says one thing that rubs you the wrong way. And it's like, oh, he's an average running back. Glad he's gone. Like the Bears didn't want him back anyways. Like he's not built for this offense. Like miss me with that shit. That really bothers me because don't switch up on somebody because they did. They said something that like rubbed you the wrong way. You're a fan. You have no clue what's going on inside of the locker room. And I'm speaking kind of to, in general, these people who are so pressed by this. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like he was a, he gave everything his four years when he was here. And I only covered him for one year, but I remember just being in the division covering Minnesota since he was drafted in 19, you saw something really special in him. And when Tariq Cohen goes down with that injury and David Montgomery, who was relatively healthy. Like he wasn't one of these running backs like a Dalvin cook where it's like, man, high expectations. Oh, you can only get 12 games a year from this guy. Right. David Montgomery coming back from the ankle and the foot injury, the lower leg, whatever the hell it was last year. We never really got like super clarity on like how severe it was. It was a very hockey injury. It was, it was like, a lower, lower body. body. <laughs> like <laughs> he, he, he missed one game yeah. to come back because he knew the pressure was on him. I've got to perform because not only does my team do my, does my team need me because there was nothing else offensively that was getting them out of that early season rut. But for him to set himself up for his next whatever it was next contract next, you know, his future, he had a kid coming this year. Like there's a lot more at stake than just like the in between the lines stuff. And I remember thinking when he signed in free agency with Detroit, I'm like, that's a big void. They're going to have to fill in that locker room. He was a leader in that locker room. People loved him. And there was a moment during locker cleanout day with him and Justin Fields. We're at Fields locker and we're talking to him and, and Montgomery's getting ready to leave. And like, he kind of like comes in, like comes through the camera people and like says, love you, buddy. And like gives him a hug. And you could tell, like, I felt like if that was, if the, if the moment at the 50 yard line with all of his family and friends that were there, wasn't like the moment that you knew, okay, he's probably gone. That one I felt was. Yeah. So because I don't know, I just, 
there was nothing bad about David Montgomery when he was here. Like he was a leader on this team. And if people are so irritated by comments where he's talking about, I want to go to a place where I feel like I can win. That's like, it's not rocket science. Like you think you can't be fault somebody for this for doing what's best for them in their career. Do you think that Ryan Poles kind of pulling the rug out under the team last season was a reason that he wanted to move on and go to a situation where, right? Like, Chicago felt like it was okay with losing last season. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. last it was. season. The bears were okay. With they were losing. built to lose. They were built like literally. And, and I, I said this yesterday on the breeze. I was talking about it. I said, well, um, when I looked at the team last season, if Roquan's there, Khalil Max there, Robert Quinn stays, you keep Akeem Hicks. That team probably finds its way to seven wins. All those one-score yeah. games that we have, that team probably finds its way to seven And it does wins. you no good for the future if Absolutely. you continue those things. But think about what that's like from a player's perspective. Let's go back to March of 2022. Yeah. David Montgomery sees the entire roster, everybody he grew up with the last three seasons up until that point, roster's decimated. Yeah. And then you're left like with a couple pieces here and there, and then... Cleo Mack gets traded. Roquan Smith gets traded. Robert, uh, you know, Robert Quinn gets traded. That weighs on you. And I know that we've talked about how much that weighed on the defense and guys like Justin Jones, who weren't here all that long, were like the, among the most vocal about it, about like, yeah, it really kind of like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, kind of like sucks the life out of the locker room when that yeah. happens. That's not just going to affect the defense. That's going to affect everybody who, you know, especially like the older guys who have, and, and he's not old. He's like in his mid twenties and yeah. he was a four year player last year. But I think that affects you. And, and you just have to look at that and say, you can't blame somebody for wanting a fresh start, going to a place that at least on paper right now appears a little bit more established. The bears are getting there. Like, yeah. again, we're not saying that they're not going to ever get there and that Detroit has all the answers figured out and that the bears are going to be stuck in this. They're trying to get this rebuild off the ground. It's not there yet. And you're kidding yourself if you think it is. And David Montgomery having a chance to go somewhere else to have that clean slate. I, you know, I wish him luck. I mean, I think that the bears were a little irritated talking with Ryan Poles at owners meetings, you know, he said like, you know, so players are going to do what's best for the players. We wish him well, but that offer the bears wanted to keep David Montgomery. Yeah. Don't get it twisted and think, Oh, well, like they will, you know, you know, they wanted veteran yeah, leadership. They, want, they wanted He's, him here. He's at a, at a minimum, right? Like here, here's the thing with Monty. I'm never going to say Monty's a top five running back in the league. He's probably top 15. Sure. I don't and know if he's top 10, but the part that you gain from Monty being here and maybe right. Like you're not worried about it. If, if you feel like Justin Fields is taking a step and you've got some leaders in the building, but the part that you have is he's a five-year player in the NFL at this point. He's a leader. He's a guy that's going to be able to speak up and say, no, you can't do that mm-hmm. right now. Literally we're expecting the year three quarterback. Who's still trying to figure out his life and he's doing it. It seems like to, but to be the guy to say, Hey, listen, this is how we set the standard. This is how we, he doesn't know the standard yet. <laughs> yeah. He's he's trying to figure out the standard as we go. So I think that that's the part that you feel like you lost with Monty if you're Ryan Poles. But I'm not going to sit here and say, right, like I, I'm just dying, right? Like I feel like Bears fans, they went, it's like you said, they went from one extreme to the next. It was, I can't believe we let go of Monty and now it's, well, he wasn't that good. 
He was okay. I feel like every fan okay. base goes through that when something doesn't go the way of the fan. Jaded and, girlfriend out here. Yeah, or jaded I mean, boyfriend. You know what I it, mean? It happens. And I, you know, if you, I'm not going to tell people how to fan. I just think that you have to have a little bit more perspective to know what was going on behind the scenes, what the vibe was like in the locker room. I mean, covering a 3-14 and 14 team last year, like you can, you can really feel like just how, how tough that is to go from week to week to week. Yeah. And when you have a chance to level up a little bit, not only with the contract and what your future earnings are, but trying to get yourself in a spot that feels comfortable to, hey, I can make a really big impact. Maybe I can go have a career year. Why wouldn't you take that? I don't know if we asked you this since you've been on here. What was the team's? Because we've all we've all heard from like, I guess I've heard from Well, maybe I did hear from you probably on the radio, uh, just the vibe around the team during that season, right? Like, I, I heard, I know I heard it from, like, uh, other people from outside sure. looking at the Bears just like, why are they happy? Like, why Why does the locker room feel like they, they haven't lost eight straight games, yeah. nine straight games, ten straight games? I covered the 49ers in 16 when they went 2-14, and 14, and that locker room, like, towards the end of the season, there used to be a ping-pong table in there, and – they either took it out or like did people just stop playing it. I mean, that was a locker room. You could tell like, God, can we just wrap up the season? Can we go home? Can we go to the off season? Can we just get out of here? Yeah. You know, with the bears, you definitely felt when, when Robert Quinn left and not only it just got quieter. Cause he used to have this like massive boom box yeah. sort of thing. Like this it was speaker. So it got quieter. We didn't have music I, all the time. I, I wanted that boom box like, too. I follow the company on Instagram. I can't think of the name of it, but it's like the big dumb one. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so, I mean, like when he, when he left, when he got traded, I just remember, all right, like there's definitely that feeling like where he's, where he's gone. You could be like, where's Robert Quinn? Like he yeah. was one of the leaders on this team. And then of course it's like, well, where's Roquan Smith? It just felt like as pieces kept getting picked off, the locker room got a little quieter, but you never had that vibe of, you know, guys are here to collect a paycheck punch in the clock. Like, yeah. I don't know. I was, I was a little surprised about just how for a three and 14 team as you know, even after, so they beat new England and then it's like, all right, close loss to Dallas. Yeah. And then, the losses from there, like in that stretch where they were so close and they were losing to Detroit, to Miami, like there still was a positive vibe. It's like you guys just lost this game. But yeah. like I feel like they saw what the potential was. And sometimes all you need is that glimpse just to know, hey, things will get better. It might not be better right now or in the near future, but they don't like. Maybe that's what rubbed Monty the wrong way. The the fact like the, the fact that like I mean you, like no you, you you yeah basically like you lost a lot of ga- like you lost a lot of games and some of them like poorly like that last sure. Detroit game poorly uh, second game versus the Packers poorly right but like the Dallas game I I came out of the Dallas game feeling like wow like there's something here I'm excited like if they don't fumble that football backwards mm-hmm. we're in this game the entire time. Maybe that's the part that got David Montgomery like, nah, these muds are just too okay with losing games. Like, nobody's upset. And, and that would be fair. I would get that. But you also, like, th- that would be something I'd have to say, okay, like, you know, you have to look at the circumstances of the team. They weren't built to win. Right. Everybody in that locker room knew that. And if you didn't, you were kidding yourselves. Right. Even the rookies. I remember talking to Jaquan Brisker at the end of the season just about, you know, hey, you guys got the number one pick. Like it's, you know, just happened 20 minutes ago when you were getting into the locker room and they don't want to be in a spot where like there wasn't a whole ton of celebration. Like, oh my God, yay. Like we have the number one pick. It was that player better, who if they, at that time, if you keep the number one pick, that player better come in here and be willing to contribute right away because yeah. they're going to need him. And 
I don't know. Last year was the year to get through. And if anybody, yeah. players to coaches to front office to us to to fans, like, don't think that that was how this team was built. You're kidding yourselves. Yeah, it it was. I feel like for the players, when you're in it, it's probably a lot. Because then it's like, you know, especially as a running back, why why am I beating myself up? Exactly. Why am I going out here? Why am I? But he did, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, he did. He it's, never did. He never ran soft. Like, this never. is. And that's. You got to wonder, what do you, what do you put in this towards? So when you have an opportunity, when you play the most contact position in the NFL, yeah. like, I want to go to a place where this is paying off and wins. Yeah. And not just eight and eight at best. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, it is Detroit, so they could completely flip the script on us and suck this year. Let's hope so. Hey, man, let's keep it going here with the second quarter. Second quarter. I actually don't expect it, but it's the, there's always that part in my mind where I'm like, it is Detroit. I've seen them fool us many a times. <laughs> it's the only place that makes me feel better about being a Bears fan. Let's keep it pushing along. Let's get into the second quarter because there is a lot of excitement coming into this season, and I think that there's excitement, and this is probably the weirdest part for Bears fans outside of Chicago mm -hmm. about this Chicago Bears team, and most importantly, about the Chicago Bears quarterback. I've never seen excitement about a Bears quarterback. Nobody was excited for Mitch. Nobody was ever like... Reasonably, like, re rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, yes, but it, it was one of those things where you were just like, I mean, like, we'll see. Uh, maybe he proves us wrong. Sure. With Justin, it's just like, no, y'all just need to wait. Mm -hmm. Even the players, everybody, and even PFF coming out. PFF dropped their quarterback rankings for the season coming into the season. Justin Fields, 18th on the list. A top 20 quarterback. Now, I know a lot of people are like top 20. Who cares? No, no, that's. That's very good. From the worst passing offense last year, 55 sacks to the 18th best quarterback. And of course, there's movement. There's yeah. four new quarterbacks. Um, I mean, this is all starters, too. Like, they didn't list any of the backups. No, so all starters. They've got Ryan Tannehill, like, right below Justin. There's some cap that, like, one here, though. Russell Wilson below. Yeah. The Russell Wilson below Justin. <sighs> he And we don't know. Like, was he hurt last year? Is that a byproduct of, like, why oh, they were so terrible? Knees. And. You know, high knees on the plane tells me you're at least healthy. <laughs> it's just, I, I think it, this is really. I mean, of course, Lister in the off season are all project projection based, yeah. and where Justin is on that list, right ahead of Ryan Tannehill, two ahead of Russell Wilson. Some of it's fair. I think certainly putting him above those two yeah. is okay for right now because of how bad Russell Wilson looked last year. They took the same amount of sacks, and you know that was a team that almost seemed as inept, but can you blame that on play calling? Do you blame it on the quarterback? Right. I, the one that I don't like is that, why are you putting Jimmy Garoppolo? I think he's 23rd. Like, the guy went to a Super Bowl. Like, come on. Like, don't don't just give me, oh, well, that, that offense is foolproof in San Francisco. He's linking back up with his old offensive Let's coordinator in, in Vegas, and I just, I don't understand that. The rookies, I do understand why they're there, and I understand why Jordan loves, what, 25th, 26th? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't like those are I'm okay with, but here's what PFF said about Jimmy G for his injury history alone. Come on, man. Like Garoppolo is likely capped at this kind of level in the rankings. He was, uh, he was outperformed by Purdy last season, hurt all season, but he was outperformed by Purdy in the same offense and now goes to a new offensive system, albeit one he's familiar with, with his stint with the new England 
uh, Patriots. The Raiders have a good collection of receivers to throw to, but Garoppolo has a 3.6 career turnover-worthy play rate. I don't even know what that means. Career turnover-worthy play rate. Like PFF, be, they, they <laughs> I, listen, I, I like PFF for what it is. But they come up with new stuff and just drop it out there like everybody's supposed to know. And I know exactly. some of y'all going to be it. in the comments. I know some you don't know what career play. You shut up. You went and read it on the PFF website. <laughs> but yeah, they they so basically they have them capped there for injury. I I don't buy that. I think that because when you look Brock at Purdy right above them too. <laughs> yeah, when Jimmy Garoppolo's healthy, and don't just say it's because of the system, and that was like a, you know a quarterback proof yeah. offense in San Francisco because. You know, he and Brock Purdy, if Brock Purdy doesn't get his, you know, elbow injured in the NFC Championship game, that team's probably going to the Super Bowl. Probably a Super Bowl team. Like, I I don't like that one. I think that I would have put Garoppolo higher, probably above Fields, because if we're projecting, we're also basing it off of past production. Yeah. And Fields at 18, it feels like a good spot for him. I think that there are a couple others ahead of him that he might end up surpassing by the time we look at this when the year is over. He might be ahead of a... I don't think he'll be ahead of Jared Goff. I don't. I think that that offense and what he threw for 4,400 yards last year, he's got a lot of weapons around him, but he could be ahead of Daniel Jones because you're going to look at the last couple games for the New York Giants and think, okay, well, they won that wild card game against Minnesota because Minnesota's defense was trash. Yeah. Will there be a regression there? Very well could be, but I think he's in a really good spot for a year that you expect the growth and you need to see the growth if you're the Bears. And I think that expecting he's going to be a top 15 quarterback by the end of the year is not unreasonable, but anything higher than that is probably a little bit of a stretch right now. Is is are we 100% sold on Daniel Jones? As a no, figure? I'm not. Like, oh, I, was, I saw Daniel Jones top 17, and I was like, all right, now hold on. Like, I mean, there's a lot of Saquon in Daniel Jones. Yeah, there game. is. And, I mean, there's a lot of play action. There's a lot of – I mean, his scramble rate, I want to say, was like right behind – Justin Fields yeah. last year. So like there's a lot of similarities, frankly, yeah. just with the way the offense is run and just with, you know, the I guess they won more so you can They did, but like but they I don't think that there's it. a whole lot of differentiating factors between those two quarterbacks other than you know, maybe having Saquon Barkley in an offense like where you know he's a true superstar and you really are funneling things through him versus everything was funneled through Fields last year here. Yeah. Do you think that he surpasses anybody in this top fifteen? Potentially Dak. Your top fifteen right now. Ooh, that's where crazy. do I have? Where do they have Dak? I know I saw it earlier. Dak is right now. Oh, hold on now. Okay, top top fifteen. Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, top five quarterback in the NFL. All right, You're about to get paid like it too. Aaron Rodgers, number five still. Lamar Jackson, six, but we couldn't get him his contract. Jalen Hurts, seven. I don't know if I agree with that one. All right. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, eight. Kirk Cousins, nine. Dak Prescott is number 10. Top 10 quarterback in the NFL. You, it's Two like, is 11. And it's, it's you, you think with Dak, okay, are the turnovers. He threw 15 picks last year. That was an anomaly. This wasn't somebody who was like a turnover machine throughout yeah. his career. Because it was such an anomaly, you're like, is something, did something change? Like, it was that, what was the issue? Because that was so out of character for him that, I almost expect, is this the new normal for Dak Prescott? I don't know. And I mean, it's not yeah. like they upgraded their receiver core all that much. They still haven't ever since they lost Amari Cooper. And they've been trying to like piecemeal this thing together. I know that Brandon Cooks is there now, I want to yeah. say. Like it was like, one of their offseason things that they did. CeeDee Lamb. Um, 
I don't know. Like, I just, I don't, if there's anybody, I mean, Dak is always kind of like very boomer bust. We just sometimes don't know what we're going to get from him. Are you going to get the high turnover worthy plays or are you going to get the the quarterback that can doesn't have to be excellent in any certain area but can like orchestrate all of the pieces together as kind of like your your conductor of the of the orchestra. And so I if there's anybody on there like I mean maybe Geno Smith, maybe because that I was Geno, that was an anomaly. It was. I don't think that he's going to just regress, but I think that Geno's what he's 31. Yeah, he's 32 or 33. So, so, I think that guy. I I would imagine, I mean, because the one the guys that are below fields on this list are all, you know, backup level replacement level quarterbacks and yeah. rookies, yeah. which of course rookies are going to be below him on Below him. And I mean, that's I think the common sense factor here that came into play, which I'm glad obviously PFF would do this, um, is that you put the rookies below players who, you know, like a Justin Fields. There's no question whether Justin Fields is the quarterback in Chicago, at least for right now. Like yeah. maybe if it's the season goes poorly, it's a different question, but that whole argument we had during the offseason about whether like any of the four quarterbacks in the draft that we expected to go first, like are any of those guys better than Justin Fields? And the answer is clearly no. Yeah. Might change by the end of the year, but as of right now, when you're basing this off of projection, none of those guys have played in the NFL. This is a fair way to to orchestrate this list. I feel like Dak Prescott, if he didn't play for the Dallas Cowboys, would be looked at very similar to how Derek Carr is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he could play football. Like that's and, how I Dex, feel about Dak. Won a playoff game. Derek he, Carr right. is not. You know, so. and, and, and but it's just it's one of those things where it's like, yes, he can play. Yes, he he is a definitely above average quarterback. I I probably would still have Deshaun Watson above Dak Prescott, and he missed an entire season. I think it's because how bad Deshaun looked, the rust factor yeah, yeah, yeah. there, and it's. You know, he, he's still top 13, by the way, even with how bad he looked. In I Cleveland, think they had to do that because knows. we haven't seen him really play well yeah. since the 2020 season. Yes. Like, you know, and it was so amazing because it was it is. He, he led the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Right. And had nobody. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, they I, I think that's a fair spot to put him in. I would imagine he's a top 10 quarterback by yeah. the end of this year because you don't make that investment in a player like that that you don't expect with all the other stuff that he'll eventually get back to the on-field version of himself that made you want him in the first place. Here's the contradiction that irritates my soul right now. How's two a top 11 and yet Russell or um, Jimmy Garoppolo can't get outside of the top 20 due to injuries? I know. That's... You know, like, I mean, I, I hope Probably that Tua, they saw one year of injuries from Tua and obviously their concussions yeah. versus the like the elbow. I think there was a foot injury for Garoppolo. Yeah, Garoppolo's had a lot of injury. I'm not going to lie. He like, has, he has, but I just I mean, from pure skill. And I know you have to factor in all of the ancillary stuff that makes up the body of work of somebody. But from pure skill, Jimmy Garoppolo has one of the highest win percentages of NFL quarterbacks with of, a minimum of like, of like all time. yeah, like seven hundred <laughs> win percentage. It's pretty good. He, he does win a lot. I, I know will people give say him oh, that. wins are not a quarterback stat. We're not saying that, but I mean, when you put him in the right system, and he's in the right system in Vegas. That's his old offensive coordinator. They signed him as a free agent for a reason. I I have no belief in him as a head coach, though. And I think that's the part yeah. for me where it's like, yeah, it's his old offensive coordinator, but as a head coach, he's just so god awful. And will 
I know there are a lot of people like, well, why wouldn't Mark Davis just fire him that this year after like such an atrocious start to his NFL career? And got Devontae Adams career. with Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean they've got, they've got getting Derek Carr out of there. You can scapegoat him for now. This is the year you get a chance to look at Josh McDaniels in his second yeah. head coaching stint. I'll correct myself there because I forgot about the Broncos for a second. Oh yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Like this is the chance that you have to evaluate him because honestly, he's probably on the hot seat if this season goes very poorly. Yeah, they, for the Raiders, he'll, he'll be back. Tough on, division too. He'll be back on the Patriots in a in a year here. <laughs> uh, final question on this one: Does Justin Fields take his rightful spot back above Trevor Lawrence? Because I think for most of their life, Justin has won these matchups with Trevor Lawrence, and now finally, Trevor Lawrence last season making the playoffs, winning in the yeah. playoffs. Um, and going on a heck of a run in the second half of that season, uh, can Justin Fields get back to those heights? Probably not yet. I think that Trevor Lawrence, putting him as a top 10 quarterback is fair based on projection and also based on what he did. I mean, thinking about that last time you saw him in the postseason, or at least at the time that they won, where that comeback, of course, a lot of it has to do with the collapse of the Los Angeles Chargers, but Lawrence in the fourth quarter of that game, third and fourth quarter, was tremendous. Yeah. And so I if if we get to see him pick up where he left off and you get that Andrew Luck sort of comparison and that trajectory this year, then Trevor Lawrence is going to be riding wherever he, you know, riding that trajectory into like the uh, into staying in the top 10. I don't I don't foresee there's still so many unknowns. We yeah. didn't have the questions about the passing offense with Trevor Lawrence because that just wasn't an issue for the for the Jaguars last year with Justin Fields. Do we know? Like, I mean, we don't know because we haven't seen it. Yeah. Can he throw for more than like 140 yards a game on a consistent basis? And that's not asking a lot, but they average 130.5 yards per game passing last year. Yeah. Until you see routine 200 plus yard passing games, which is again, not asking a lot, but like in this offense last year, given the circumstances it was until you see that, the 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 gap between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence is fair. Yeah, I, I I'll I'll agree with that for now. I actually think I think Jacksonville's done a really good job with Trevor Lawrence. I think that Trevor Lawrence by the end of this season will take Justin Herbert's spot as the Golden Boy of the NFL um, because I think that Justin Herbert is continuing the Philip Rivers legacy of unbelievable meltdowns at the last minute. Mm. Like I I <laughs> I I I'm not even sure. If I agree with him being top four, I know the stats would say that. I know that the how he's played throughout the season, um, putting his team in positions to make the play. But I mean, like he's eking his way in, and it's clearly because of like untimely turnovers <laughs> and pick sixes. <laughs> so shout out Justin Herbert. Uh, He'll get paid this offseason. Oh yeah, you're you're not gonna not pay him. He's gonna he's he's just he's he's Philip Rivers. <laughs> it's very weird that he went to the Chargers because it's like when I watch him, I'm like, better throwing mechanics, but like you lose the games the exact same way, like unbelievable meltdowns. I mean, some of that's not on him and, too. I mean, some of them, a lot of that's on coaching. Which I mean, yes. new offensive coordinator though. You have Kellen Moore there. We'll yeah. see if that is the secret sauce for you know getting rid of Joe Lombardi's very confusing strange offense that did not fit his skill set <laughs> and bringing in somebody who you know for Dak was a fourth round pick yeah like they've gotten a lot out of him yet it hasn't yielded a Super Bowl after signing that contract a few years ago after he played the one year on the tag like I I don't think that it's a 
bad thing to expect that a new play caller will help Justin Herbert become the version of himself that you're like, okay, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua. Like it makes sense why these guys, we would consider them top 10 quarterbacks. Yeah. We'll see what it, we'll see what it all yields. Hopefully by the end of this season, we're talking about Justin Fields as a top 10 quarterback. That'd be crazy. That'd be great. That have we, when's our last top 10 quarterback? Oh God. Is it Jay? I was about to say, did Jay have a couple of top 2013 for sure. I think the Bears were second in the NFL in offense in 2013. I mean, he he finally the, had good receivers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it was short-lived. But. It, it was. It died off very quickly. But I think that was the best. That's the best offense we've ever had, probably. What did Brandon Marshall have that year? Brandon Marshall had 1,200 yards. I believe he had tw- – no, yeah, he had 1,200 yards. I think he had 12 touchdowns. I think Alshon Jeffrey had – 1400 I want to say 2000 yard receivers anomaly in this city so yeah, I mean, yeah you're probably right that's that probably, probably was your best, best off season off offense and ever. then is Forte still on that team 13 no who's our running back Jordan Jordan Howard 2013 yeah that was that's crazy that's crazy that that's that's our one <laughs> Uh, let's keep it going. We're at halftime on the show. Halftime, my favorite time, especially with Courtney, because Courtney always brings great nuggets. Courtney, what do you have for us at halftime? So I've got a question for you on etiquette. Okay. Like I brought something today okay. that was a I was thinking about what I was going to do for halftime. And just so happened that the content came to me. And as I'm walking into this building, I'm walking behind somebody. They're a couple paces ahead of me. And usually you can tell somebody behind you. They're about to get in the elevator like they're, you know, might be like they might be running towards the elevator like you hold that door for them so as i'm like walking to the elevator after i scan my badge twice get in the building there's somebody ahead of me and i thought the natural inclination you know that i'm right behind you like gonna hold the elevator this person closes the elevator so like as i'm like walking up to him like no way i'm not waiting for another elevator i take my right leg and i like kick it through the door to like hold the elevator open it's like oh so sorry i didn't see you there like, where do you stand on elevator etiquette? Like, how, I how, mean, how bad was this? Right. First off, is he wearing AirPods? No, he wasn't. No AirPods. So he definitely probably oh, he knows knew. He's just like, I don't want to ride in the elevator with this person. Like, where do you stand on how long you're willing to wait for somebody? And if you can visibly and maybe like, just like feel that there's somebody walking behind you because you hear them. Come on. We're in an office building, like in the, in, in a big city with yeah. a lot of people moving in and out. It just made me think, all right, what is proper etiquette for holding an elevator and, and not just like going about your day? So you see the elevator bank here at 190 North State. There's like probably five elevators as we try to go upstairs. So it really got me to think, all right, like, do I do, am I just nicer than most people that like I would be willing to like wait and hold the elevator for somebody? I think it. I'm probably giving you a solid if I know you're there. Here's the thing. If if I know you're there and I make eye contact with you, I will wait until the He and I didn't ends. make eye contact. He was ahead of me, but we had scanned our like I was going in those very heavy revolving yeah, doors yeah, yeah. and he was ahead of me. And I'm like, all right, like this guy see like you can hear me. Yeah. You don't have headphones in. You can hear that I'm yeah. there. Nah, he's he's probably this is a who's the douche from uh cabinet. That's probably it's probably a little douchey. Or from uh, Carmen Yurko, I should say, but a little douchey. I'm not gonna lie to you, because this is the, is he J Jonah Jameson? You right, like or not J Jonah? Uh, Spider Man, where uh, right the the doors are closing, 
Peter Parker's looking at looking at him through the door. He's like, thanks. Is the door closing? <laughs> he, is he hitting you with one of those in that situation? It was They're literally like, like, kick my foot through the door like, to like, hold it. And I was like trying to send a message. To yeah. And I... Like it's like oh sorry like, I didn't see it. I'm like yeah I'm sure you didn't and he got off like a couple floors below me yeah I was like all right I didn't hope he's a fan of the podcast didn't even get like <laughs> didn't even get like I oh, have a nice day after that I'm like all right dude whatever oh but, that's that's a uh, I don't know man I I'm I'm a benefit of the doubt person maybe he was like focused on something or he's like running 20 minutes late to work and should have been here already and so he's a super like focused a problem could have been a him problem for sure Not but i mean at that at that point you you you're already late but like hold the door like maybe i don't know that's that's a tough one i like i said i'm i'm so like if i know you're there i will like wait but I was raised like you hold the door for like everybody that walks yeah. through this door. It's not just chivalry, like, you know it's like what I mean? Common courtesy. Uh, it, it's yeah, that's a tough one. That's especially because right, like with the elevators here, if you're at one, and this is this is absolutely first world problems. There's, there's a little distance between the next one when the when the bell dings again, right? Like you're not gonna get the middle and then the one right next to it. You got you got the front one or the back one. Take your pick. <laughs> I'm a big fan of like these conversations on etiquette, which is a common courtesy, like sort of things. Like we've talked about this when I've hosted like uh, network radio yeah. about the five worst people that you run into ordering food at either a fast casual, like a oh. Chipotle or like a Chick-fil-A. Those are great conversations to have. Don't get me started. Conversations on when do you get up from a seat on the train to give it to somebody else? Like those sorts of conversations those are fun i think that they really make for like good you really get to learn something about people but how they view the world how they view you based on their answers to those questions this is tough because i'm just going to be viewed as an a-hole at the end of the day because it's like you got to have a baby or a disability for me sure. to get up because i fought for this seat sure, <laughs> on the sure, subway absolutely. you know what i mean oh man we gotta we gotta bring that up the, the elevator one's an interesting one i like that one because I almost feel like this guy was trying to like just like slowly watch the doors close as you run up to it. Like he, like maybe he like, got oh, something out of this. it. I just want the elevator to myself. Like <laughs> as I get upstairs, I'm like come Who's on. Who's this man. guy? He wants an entire building's elevator to himself. Yeah, selfish. He's selfish. Yeah, get out of here, guy. <laughs> I hope I don't see him on my way out. He's, he's I'm not gonna, gonna hold the door for him. He's gonna, payback. You gotta get payback. You just slowly smile as it closes. <laughs> Oh, might stop man. on the fourth or fourth floor, I think it was. Fourth or fifth floor. I might stop down there and say, have a nice day <laughs> as I walk out. Anyways. I love the pettiness. It's the it's the Jimmy Butler levels of petty that you I know, love here. Getting ready for the game tonight. I had to channel something. Gotta get ready for it. I love it. Time out. Uh let's get into the third quarter here. Third quarter. Because uh Tremaine Edmonds had some interesting comments on a player that Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears fans might be sleeping on a signing that I think a lot of people kind of slept on because not not a, a a very solid player but not a oh my god name mm -hmm. when you're when you're out here signing people he was talking about Andrew Billings and um talking about kind of how he is an asset not only to the team but also just with depth on the roster let's hear what Andrew Billings had or what uh, Tremaine Edmonds had to say on Andrew Billings man that's a big man that's a big man for sure but it's a big man that can move and um, obviously he's going to cause a lot of havoc up front. And um, I'm excited to see him work. And he's a true pro. You know, obviously a guy that's been around the league for a while, uh, for years. And, um, I mean, his work speaks for itself. Just the way he goes about his business, um, you could just see it. You know, from a young guy to come in, that's a perfect guy to look at because he takes pride in what he do. 
and uh, that's a true professional. I mean, you know, a true professional when you see one, just the way that he he goes about his day, whether it's working out, whether it's practicing. You know, just sitting back watching, man, you can learn a lot from a guy like that. But I'm definitely excited for him. Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. So this is basically the second time that we've heard somebody bring up Andrew Billings and what he's going to be able to do on the field. Is this a signing that Bears fans should be paying a lot more attention to? Sure. I think that anything up front, and with Tremaine Edmonds, like you want your interior of the defensive line to help you do your job. Like that's the reason that you know guys like that, like linebackers, can be so successful. And I think about it from like when I was in Minnesota when Linville Joseph was playing nose tackle. Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks would talk him up, and I mean, of course, the guy was like a perennial Pro Bowler. He won a Super Bowl what he did made their lives easier because then you don't have like a free rusher coming at you. If you have no ability to, to penetrate and to stop the run. Right. Andrew Billings was brought in for that. This was not just a team that couldn't pressure the quarterback from the, you know, from the edge, from, you know, push the pocket and keep the quarterback high from the interior. It's a team that was really bad at at stopping the run. And when you have somebody like that, who is known more for his strengths against the run, it's going to help the linebackers do their job. So I think for Tremaine Edmonds, he sees somebody that his success is predicated off of what's happening, what Andrew Billings is able to do uh, on certain downs where where the opponent's trying to run the ball. And, and hopefully for Tremaine Edmonds or TJ Edwards, that'll help them be more successful in limiting guys who get to the second level. I love the, I love the guys that take up a lot of space, and I feel like that's what he is, right? Like I don't think we're going to see right tremendous sack numbers from Andrew Billings coming into this season. But I feel like the Bears defense is filled with a lot of guys who are right. Like Justin Jones, I always think about him with the Chargers. What we saw from him last year, I don't think is Justin Jones. What we saw, to me, Justin Jones is the run stuffer. He's the guy that, like, you're not getting past me. I know how to read the the gaps. I know where I need to attack. I'm not going to let the running back get past me. I think that you're starting to kind of see the the Bears put some pieces together to address one of the biggest needs. And, and he, I think here's the thing, right? You can focus in on the on the the passing game, but at the end of the day, some quarterbacks are just going to get you. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you concede it, sure. but the part where if the quarterback gets you, it makes his life so much easier is if also the running back's putting up 120 yards on you. I think the thing that killed the Bears' defense the most last season versus the Packers was not the fact that Aaron Rodgers was able to go out there and be Aaron Rodgers, but it was the fact that there were two running backs in the backfield that basically ran unhinged mm-hmm. into the second level very often. Yeah. So I think that... Look at Detroit. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the last game, the second to last game of the season, I feel like that was... If, if you didn't know the run defense was a problem, I mean, that was such a glaring, like a really glaring issue, but like... It, the emphasis, and I know we talk so much about, well, they had nobody to get after the quarterback. Well, they had nobody to stop the run. Yeah. And that's so important, especially in this division. The running backs haven't changed in Green Bay. Detroit has a good backfield because they know what David Montgomery can provide. And, yeah. and Jameer Gibbs was, you know, a top, you know, first round pick. Um, Minnesota, too. I mean, Dalvin Cook right now is still there. He's probably gone. But Andrew, Alexander Madison is a really good running back and will probably be their number one this year. You've got to stop the running backs in your division alone. Yeah. On Outside of everybody else that you're going to face uh, on your non-conference schedule, like that's a major emphasis. And I know some people are looking at it saying, well, I wish they would have addressed this on the defensive line instead of putting the focus there. No, the focus is important. And it's not just, oh, who's going to be the penetrating three technique. It's, hey, make sure that your nose tackle spot is short. Like, you know, whoever's playing that spot can can be 
you know, can be responsible for either multiple gaps or in certain instances that call for it, but also just like there to like stop the run, stop guys from being able to get to the second level freely. I think that would, even when we were in a three, four, right. What made the Chicago bears so consistently to me better than the Minnesota Vikings was Akeem Hicks basically telling Delvin cook, like, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like looking him in his face and literally going, don't run at me. You're not going anywhere. And the Bears consistently being able to stop the run. You turn a lot of the quarterbacks into your division right now. And I think that th- this is the genius of, of Ryan Poles to me that a lot of people probably haven't thought of. Every quarterback in your division is very very run dependent. Jared Goff's game takes another step when the running back is a threat and he can go off of that sure. play action. Jordan Love is going to be heavily probably run dependent because he's the young guy trying to step in and fill Aaron Rodgers' shoes. You look at uh, um, Kirk Cousins for God, sure. Kirk Cousins literally can't play if there's no running game. Yeah. Like I've watched him literally action. put up a hundred yards if there's no running game. So I think that Ryan Poles is addressing what's the toughest thing he needs to play in the division and that will then help the bears get four wins in the division in my opinion that can help you then okay we just need a win here we need a win here we need a win here now we're taking the right steps sure no i mean i again i think you have to address what's going on the teams you're going to face twice a year first and the run game was run defense was a weakness for them last year and we saw it continually wear down and yeah they faced a lot of really good backs last year i mean thinking about what happened in the dallas game thinking about what happened you know against you know you have a two-headed monster in green bay like and that happened multiple times i just i i like what tremaine edmonds had to say because we will get to see the best version of tremaine edmonds if andrew billings or you know and they've got they've got numbers there they've got zach pickens they've got javon dexter justin uh justin jones i mean you have I think that's the best part about like this in an even front defense. Like you have, you have in in the interior, you have guys who have like interchangeable roles to a degree between like your three technique and your shade. That's, that's good because you have the people that are bringing in all have very similar skill sets, but still like Andrew Billings and the run stuffing ability and the size alone stands out. Like you heard Jermaine Edmonds say it's a big man. Like, and that's, and he's not small. No, Jermaine and, Edmonds is also large. For a lot, yeah, like six, five. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty telling when you have somebody that's like that domineering of a force. And it's, you know, last year it was supposed to be the Angela Blackson role. I mean, that was not really, neither here nor there. He never did anything that made you think, okay, they're going to bring this guy back. He's going to be part of this defensive line going forward. You have somebody who's kind of got like a niche here, which with with him being such a dominant run stuffer. And I'm glad, and I think you'd be glad if you're a Bears fan that they address that. I think even we've talked about it so much on the offensive side, but even on the defensive side, right? Like I see clear roles. That is going to be a step in the right direction. You talked about Angelo Blackson last season. It was like, I mean, all right, we got a name. Like, what's he going to do? Like, where's he going to play? What's, sure. what's going to be his point of emphasis on the defense, right? Like, I think now we're coming into this season. I know what Travis Gibson is supposed to be. I know what uh, uh, Justin Jones is supposed to be on this defense. Zach Pickens and, and Javon Dexter are your two question marks, but realistically, you kind of know where they're going to be sure. slotted on the defense, right? Like, you're coming in with clear roles defined early on in the season, I think that that's going to allow the Bears to, again, take another step forward. I don't know if it's going to end up in 10, 11 wins. Probably not. 
But I do think that it it gives you a step forward when you're not starting your season saying, what role do I have to focus in on? When you're starting your season saying, I know what I need to do. I know where I need to be. Now I just got to go attack. Yeah. And it's it's it, it's not just the defense. I mean, we've heard Tyke Tolbert say that about the wide receiver room, that you have guys who have more you're not figure, trying to using this time right now to figure out okay what can this guy do what yeah. can where where who's playing the axe who's the slot like all those things are a little bit more clear cut I think in the way that this roster is constructed and it goes back to look at the traits of the players that they drafted this year the whole big long and fast like the length element of from cornerbacks to yeah. defensive linemen to you know the pure size of someone like Darnell Wright like. They are they have a type and that's okay. Like I think that, you know, to be like, all right, this is the sort of athleticism we're looking for here, offense and defense, because they're trying to keep things consistent. When you kind of have a mishmash of a roster, which is very much what they had last year by design, yeah, that's what you're gonna get. And so it is gonna be a different feel when you look at this team and say, Okay, we can see the you can see why they did something the way that they did, and yeah. it makes sense. Now, whether those players are any good is another you know, another thing we're going to have to try to find out, but the way that they're constructing it is intentional, and that's a good thing. I think it's the Bill Belichick approach, right? Like, I don't even know. I, I look at some of the defensive players, I'm like, I don't even know if he's the best player for that spot or the best player talent-wise for that spot, right? But I know that he knows how to play that spot. I know that that's the best position for the skill set that he personally has. Mm -hmm. Like I look at Jack Sanborn, I'm like, he's not Jack Sanborn will never be the best athlete on the field. But when I watched him last season, I could tell that from a mental perspective, from a understanding the position perspective, he was the best player on the field on the defensive side for the Chicago Bears at times because he just knew where he was going to be most effective. I think that we have a lot of players like that. Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, Andrew Billings, like guys that just, I know everything I need to know about this role and I can do it really, really well. And I think that's what Bill Belichick did. I mean, we, we know that's what Bill Belichick did for sure. years. He'd take people off of the scrap piece and be like, what do you want me to do, coach? I want you to blitz the quarterback on this play. Just this play, just this play. Oh, Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, and I mean he's, he turned Shea McClellan into a player. Come on, y'all. They they do things differently in New England because, and I know a lot of that has to do with coaching, and it has to do with you know the success that he's had, being able to take the no name guys and make them into something, and finding all right, you do this job. Like I'm not giving you a thousand things to do. I'm giving yeah. you this one or two things, and that works for, you know, that works in some cases. It work doesn't work in other cases, yeah. but. I think that they're the fact that we have that this team will look at ourselves, look at themselves and say, Hey, we have clear cut roles for each other, like for every player on this roster. That makes it easier because you're not guessing, like, Hey, if he's in this situation, can he handle what's being asked of him? Yeah, no, 100%. I think that uh, we're going to have a. I'm so ready for just real pads. I'm just ready for football. You got time. You got a long I, way to so wait much until we time. get there. We got there's so much two time. months before. But it's, there's so any much of that. excitement because it's just like this is gonna go. This could either be like one of the best offenses we've ever seen with the probably a mid level defense, or we could be talking about drafting another quarterback very early on in the season. I mean, it's the the solutions <laughs> to, or at least like the answers to this season are very open ended right now, yes. which is what makes it so interesting. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into this fourth quarter real quick. Finish it out with this one. Interesting topic EO brought to us. Uh, and I, I don't even know if this is how he intended it, but this is how I take it. 
He asked us, who is the Shohei Otani and Mike Trout of the NFL? That tandem where you look at it and you're like, those are two amazing players. But I took it in this way. The Shohei Otani and Mike Trout of the NFL basically means two amazing players on a team that are leading the way. That kind of sucks. (laughs) I figured that you could go that way of like, because obviously we know that the angels have not made the postseason since Shohei got there and very well. If, I mean, it's going to happen. If they don't make the playoffs this year, he's out. Come, come on to the, he'll come I here. know Jerry's not going to pay him, but come to the white side. Come, to, come the on to the Cubs. I think he's going to come to the Cubs or the Dodgers or the Mets. I mean, got to think of teams also first start with high payroll, but all those things matter. Anyways, you have a good way of looking at that. Cause that's what, that's where my head went initially. But I took it a different way because I know last night they both homered uh, in their. I think the Angels won last night. Angels did win last so night. So they both homered. Like they're both, in theory, two of the best players in, in baseball. In baseball, sure. not just in theory. I mean, I say that because we haven't seen that translate to like this team has won a World Series. Yeah. But Shohei is the most exciting player. You haven't seen a two way player like that since Babe Ruth. So, yeah, no. you know, that. That that in itself, and it's like, okay, who's a unicorn in the NFL? Patrick Mahomes is a unicorn. Patrick Mahomes. And so my brain went to Mahomes and Kelsey. And that's probably the cop-out easy answer, that if you give that question to anybody and say, all right, who's the best tandem? Like Mahomes and Kelsey last year alone, Kelsey had a career-high 12 touchdowns, and he has taken the tight end position and done something with it in ways that we haven't seen since Rob Gronkowski was revolutionizing that position in an era where passing to the tight end became an ex- more explosive threat than yeah. we had seen maybe maybe ever. So I know that's kind of an easy answer. I totally get where you're going with it, though, thinking, all right, two players on a team that really hasn't amounted to anything, but those two individual players and then collectively those players together are like incredible. The first team that I thought of was the Cleveland Browns. To me, Deshaun Watson and Miles Garrett. They're two guys that you absolutely can look at and say they are two of the best players in the NFL. I think Deshaun will bounce back. But I still don't think Cleveland's going to win a ton of games. Okay. I don't think that Cleveland's going to be this revolutionary team that now has Deshaun Watson because I look at the rest of the team and I'm just like, this offense kind of looks a little bit like what he left in Houston. And yeah, like some of some of it turned into wins, but there's no D hop over there. <laughs> you know what I mean, like yeah. we still is, is Jarvis Landry still there, right? Like that's no, that, he went back to New Orleans. Oh, it's right. He's in New Orleans. Who's, oh God. Amari Cooper's there. Okay. Yeah. Amari Cooper. No, I mean like Cleveland, Cleveland's roster doesn't give you anything Ugh. that like makes your yeah. eyes pop out when you look at yeah. it. Yeah. And and I think that's the thing for me. I thought about that because I know what those two are. Miles Garrett is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that defense getting shredded often. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the one where I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that makes sense for me with the Angels. Because the Angels are just like, it feels like they're wasting careers. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel and with that's every exactly player why on the Shohei Otani will not be there next year. I, I hope if, he's not. I really hope he's not. I even if they really make the playoffs, I hope he's not. I, I do too. The AL West, I'm sorry, should not be this hard to win. It, it's they're They are. Oh, this is a tough take, especially on the Chicago podcast. They are the L.A. White Sox. 
That's how I feel when I watch that team. I can see I the matter. talent. They're not that bad. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I can see the talented players on the team. Did you see an MVP candidate in Luis Robert? I know that we we have one when in Shohei Otani. He's probably going to win the AL MVP again. Did you see that? I mean, you're comparing the team. Did you see that? When I look at Lou Bob and what he's got to get it together and he's got to stay healthy, mostly, right? Which, again, angels. Sure. Uh, my, that's my crowd. He's, he's got to get it together and he's got to stay healthy. But I, I think with Lou Bob, the, the thing is, right, like he's just trying to find his groove when he's on. He is one of the best mm -hmm. players in baseball. He's one of the best defenders. He can hit the baseball a mile. Maybe don't swing at everything. Um, maybe, you know, take a ball every now and then. He took a walk when I went to the game, and we were just like, oh, my God. I think Tim Anderson <laughs> took one, too. I was like, I need to come to more games. Apparently, they walk when I'm here. But when you bring him up, I think of wasting careers. Yes. that that's. I, I think Tim Anderson, to me, is more of the... Tim Anderson's probably the Mike Trout of this situation, which is tough to say because Mike Trout's definitely a better baseball player than Tim Anderson is. But Tim Anderson doesn't make sense in baseball terms. He doesn't take walks and he's always on base. That doesn't make sense. I need y'all to understand like that's not no like he should be Javi Baez. Mm -hmm. He should be a guy that can Which hit the version of Javi Baez. Yes, exactly. Like the the version that like he pops off and then at some point they're just like we're not going to throw you pitches you can hit. And you're not going to be able to hit him. Tim hits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's he's an anomaly in baseball to me. And I think that Lou Bob is probably now prove me right by the end of the season. Keep playing the way we're playing out here. Uh, but I, I think that Lou Bob is probably the player that I look at and say he can be your MVP candidate, which would kind of compare the two of the Angels and the White Sox. That's a, it's a beak of Miobi stretch. I think you're really Might be a beak of Miobi stretch. It's also second team in the city to me because sure. I think the Dodgers have overtaken 100%. that. Hundred yeah, percent, yeah. they have. Even though the most exciting players out in Anaheim, yeah. even though it's not Los Angeles. But all all that said, there's it's I when Eric gave us this question, I was like thinking just not even in like you know NFL terms, other teams yeah. like other sports. I yeah. mean, in the NBA, is it Clay and stuff? But they've actually won. Like it's hard because you think of most exciting players. Clay is not the most exciting player. He's not the most exciting two. Yeah. Anymore yeah, on a yeah. team, Steph sure is still doing what he's doing, and he's he's the Shohei of that team. <laughs> but I, it's a hard question. Like in theory, you're like, okay, like just find a really good duo, and that's your answer. Like my cop out answer of Mahomes and Kelsey, but it's. I I like where you took it of like really good duo on a team that can't seem to get it done. Yeah. I mean, it, it <laughs> I, I, this is tough that I have to like kill all our teams. <laughs> is it the bulls? <laughs> Zach and, Levine and DeMar DeRozan are both 25 mm, point per game guys. Eh. Vooch is 18 and 11 and we can't make the playoffs. Yeah. I is mean, I, I see the parallels. I get it. Like I'm, I was thinking like, in terms of like the pure talent at first. DeMar Rosen was an all-star this year. Did he deserve to be? Yes. But like in any other year, yeah. the NBA is in a different state where you don't have aging superstars on their way out. Yeah. Is he is he that I don't know. I don't think so. I, I'm trying to and think. Zach Levine was like hella inconsistent yeah. this year. So the second half really helps him. That second half of the season really helps him. <laughs> uh I'm just I'm trying to think. NBA's tough because usually if you're if you have a talented duo, you're gonna be in the mix. 
uh, unless you're Jimmy Butler and Bam, where it was confusing all season. Now I mean, look at Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown. They and, should be. And the, he, they should be Mike Trout and Shohei. Yet, yeah. in terms of the amount of money, if, is this team going to invest six hundred million dollars in keeping that duo together? The amount that the Angels would gladly invest to keep Shohei yeah. and Mike Trout together, which they probably won't get the opportunity to because he's probably leaving. That's the, I, you're really trying to put that in the air, aren't you? Really, really I, hoping. He's, he's leaving. Really hoping. Do you really think that the Angels are going to make the postseason this year? No. After the way they started? No, I don't. I, I, I don't. Here's, here's the. I don't know if Shohei wants to leave. I think that. I think he does. He said he does. He said he wants to go to a contender. Oh, that's true. Said that during the World Baseball yeah, Classic. That's true. He wants to be on a con- Yeah, that's true. He's going to the Dodgers. It's like, we need to accept oh, this. Yeah. It sucks. I wish he would come to the Cubs, but he's there's hope. There's time. Shohei is so amazing. I lo- I, I'm i literally like, I know I'm going to have to be fighting people to get tickets to go to those games because yeah. I people want to see him come to town. People want to see what he's going to do. And I think he's pitching it, against us, actually. Because it's when, when is that game? Is that next week? That is Memorial Day. Yeah, it's next week. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he might be pitching. I want to see. I want to see him play in person one time. Yeah, that's that's a he's so because I got to see Aaron Judge last year and I was there. I got to see him three times last year because I was out in New York and I actually went to when he was chasing 62 when the Bears were out in New York to play the Giants. Um, I went to that Friday night game and he didn't have a he didn't have a hit. I was like, damn it, what did I just spend all this money for to like go? Because he was, I think, like two or three away. Yeah. So I was really bummed about that. But that's what you get when you're like watching somebody chase a record yeah. and then they slow down at the end of the season. And they guess they did get there, but I mean, Shohei, you're just watching him, you're going to watch him pitch. Who's who's that player in the NFL? Who's the player or Mahomes. or in any sport? Is it I mean is it just Mahomes? Oh my god, like to yeah. watch him in person. I've seen him seen him once in person. No, did I see? I'm trying to think. Once or twice, the Vikings were were he was hurt in 2019 when the Vikings played at Arrowhead and their backup quarterback beat um <clears throat> beat the Vikings. That was actually hilarious. It ended up coming down to like a 50- wait. Was that Chase? Chase? Did Chase Daniels beat him? No, it wasn't oh, him. Was there was another say, yeah. there was another backup, <laughs> and it ended up coming down like a Harrison Butker like 50 something yard field goal, but. I've seen Mahomes once in person, one other time, just trying to remember which year it was. And I mean, it's, he's truly remarkable. Like yeah. watching the stuff he does when it looks so different from what everybody else is doing, which is what Shohei is. It means yeah. find me Completely somebody else different. who can do, who has all of the tools. Nobody. So, I mean, that's, and in the NBA, I guess you'd have to say it'd have to be either Curry or LeBron. Right. <sighs> like I, maybe Jokic now. Yeah. He's he he is if he can hit some more like step back threes, <laughs> like just flick of the wrist style. I, I, I don't even need that. Cat was talking about him on, on Paul George's podcast, and he's like, he's 290 pounds. Mm-hmm. He throws, he dribbles like a Davis guard. He throws like, yeah. yeah, it's nuts. But yeah, no, mate, unicorn. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to start respecting him more. I mean, like in, in like I, I need to ingratiate myself to have him be the first thing that comes up in my brain of those sorts of things. Yeah. And I just think that it's the bias of we've been so LeBron, so Steph, even so Durant heavy yeah. all these years. Like this guy is very well, he's on his way to the finals. Very well could win one for the first time ever for that franchise. Yeah. Like, and then we'll start having, oh, we need to go see Jokic. We need to put him in that Otani, in that Mahomes. Um, I think Denver might be the new version of the Spurs. To which... Every single season, the Spurs would win 60 games. 
Mm-hmm. We would talk about Kobe. We would talk about Utah. Sure. We would talk about, and then, and then you're in the Western Conference Finals. And be like, hey, how'd they get here? <laughs> exactly. Like they were great all season. Like they dominated every team they played against. Why didn't we talk about them more? I don't know. Uh, you, you didn't talk about them <laughs> because they won. They yeah. were the best team in basketball. They were. It's the one seed for a reason. And I literally the entire time was like, they're gonna lose. <laughs> they're <laughs> I, for sure gonna lose. I don't think many people picked them to get this far. Certainly not into the finals. It's it's been it's been a fun year for sports. Let's hope that it finishes out strong. Jimmy Butler gets to the NBA Finals tonight because I just want to see you in the finals again. Hey man, follow us on everything at Chicago Bears Podcast. Make sure you're listening in Monday through Friday. You can also follow us on ESPN Chicago. Um, we're we're here Monday through Friday through all of the off season and heading into the season. I can't wait to get to the season, but we're gonna have a lot of fun this off season. As always, man, it's your boy Path the Designer, joined by Courtney Cronin. Appreciate you for always coming through. Anytime. Make sure to bring a little uh, little more Bears uh, nuggets next time. And I need some th- I mean, those those things that those things that you can't say. You can say them here. Yeah, well, those it, things. We've got tell you. next week, so it'll be another <laughs> exciting week of uh, postseason, or excuse me, offseason content. We'll get excited again. As always, man, stay safe out there, Bears fans. Big Bird Don, peace. <laughs>